Vox Quick Hits. Remember a pandemic ago when Joe Biden was merely one of like two dozen or so Democrats who wanted to be president and one of his fellow candidates had this show-stopping moment where she was like, This is part of the dark underbelly of American society. The racism, the bigotry, and the entire conversation that we're having here tonight. If you think any of this wonkiness is going to deal with this dark psychic force of the collectivized hatred that this president is bringing up in this country, then I'm afraid that the Democrats are going to see some very dark days. We need to say it like it is. Marianne Williamson was ridiculed and applauded for alluding to dark psychic forces on the debate stage. But 18 months and an insurrection later, Her comments seem sort of prescient. And it's not just that moment. In 1997, Marianne Williamson wrote an entire book titled Healing the Soul of America. Sound familiar? I sought this office to restore the soul of America. We are in the battle for the soul of this nation. We're in a battle for America's soul, man. That's right, I agree with that. We're in a battle for the soul of America. And folks, we are. This healing might be President Biden's ambition, but it's been Williamson's message for decades. So with the country divided and a new president inaugurated, we thought we'd ask her how to reunite these states on the show today. We started, we started, we started with an important caveat. The dark psychic forces are nothing new. The dark psychic force of collectivized hatred was obvious for all to see. Racism, anti-Semitism, homophobia, Islamophobia, xenophobia, bigotry of all kinds. No intelligent observer would have thought that those things did not exist in this country. They always existed in this country. But we had reached a point where there seemed to be a national consensus that those kinds of voices would no longer be given major political megaphones, either on the left or the right, by either Democrats or Republicans. With the election of Donald Trump and also with the advent of social media, those levies fell. With social media, anybody could have a platform. And with that president, there was a willingness, as high as the White House, to exploit and to harness those forces for political purposes. Now, anybody with any recognition of the patterns of history would have seen that this was dangerous. All you had to do was read Hannah Arendt. All you had to do was read Timothy Snyder. All you had to do was have even base-level knowledge of how Hitler uh, emerged and, and, and the petri dish of human despair out of which he emerged, the most basic understanding of what happened in Rwanda. This was not arcane knowledge. This was simply a willingness to see Um, not only what was already happening, but also the factors in American politics and economics that had been building up over the last 40 years to increase the danger that someone like Trump would emerge. And yet the reaction in that moment when you said that, something about hearing someone seriously talk about dark psychic forces on a presidential debate stage, the reaction seemed split between a lot of people who were like, preach. Thank you for finally saying that. And then people who are just like, wait, what did she just say? There was a view on the part of the political media industrial complex that this woman needed to get off the stage as fast as possible. And when we look back to January 6th of this year, 
an insurrection on the Capitol, people showing up with ties, people hanging a noose, people assaulting police officers to their death. Did you feel vindicated on on January 6th? There was no room in that experience for any positive feeling. What is going on here is so much bigger than any one person's drama, including my own. I've been saying for years, not just as a presidential candidate, but long before that, that large groups of desperate people should be seen as a national security risk. Obviously, it's been pointed out by many that some of the people who were storming the Capitol, you know, one woman who was quite, you know, visible, she flew in on her own private jet, or at least a rented one, which what does it matter really, (laughs) whether it's owned or leased, right? Yeah, jet's a jet. So I'm not saying that everybody who stormed the Capitol was someone who had felt the economic, political, or social displacement, but that's where it started. Some of the insurrectionists were calling for war. We had one guy on the show late last year who considers himself a liberal but still picked up a gun in case there's a civil war. And you've said yourself before that the country's in a cold civil war. Well, I think that Biden put it quite well in his inaugural address when he called it an uncivil war. We must end this uncivil war that pits red against blue. Rural versus urban. Rural versus urban. Conservative versus liberal. We can do this if we open our souls instead of hardening our hearts. We have every reason to be grateful and relieved that with the election of Joe Biden, um, we cut the cord to a neo-fascist, a would-be authoritarian dictator who was in the White House. To me, it means we didn't go over the cliff, but we're still only inches away from it. And while I think that Biden has struck a very, very good tone in his inauguration and certainly in the first couple of days of executive orders, et cetera, none of us should be naive about the proven sophistication of the larger network of white supremacist, neo-Nazi hate groups in the United States. And this problem existed for quite a while. I remember years ago when the FBI first talked about the threat of extreme right-wing terrorists as the largest uh, domestic threat. And I remember how it was Republicans who had such a problem with that and started to squelch the conversation. So this already existed. The fact that the president threw gasoline on it and saw this as an opportunity to basically create his own personal Gestapo. Um, while it is to be, you know, greatly appreciated that, that he is no longer president, that does not mean that the problem is gone. And Joe Biden talked in his inauguration speech about dealing with that economic reality for all Americans. He also talked about white supremacy. Do you think it's possible to unite the country as much as Joe Biden purports to want to unite the country while also calling out and pursuing and bringing violent forces who have committed crimes on our federal government to justice? As has been said by many others, there will be no healing without accountability. There will be no healing without radical truth-telling. The only way our government can show mercy to the American people is to show no mercy right now to those who have taken this kind of collective violence to what is already extreme 
uh, extreme behavioral patterns. The fact that the president mentioned white supremacy in his uh, inaugural address is historic. A cry for survival comes from planet itself, a cry that can't be any more desperate or any more clear. And now, a rise of political extremism, white supremacy, domestic terrorism that we must confront and we will defeat. What remains to be seen is whether he is willing to confront on a level that is necessary in order to really deal with the problem, the institutional resistance to the fundamental social, political, and economic uh, changes that need to occur if we are to really root out the larger problem. You can see, for instance, that his his uh, policies that he's talked about already in the first two days. He clearly intends to rescue as many people as possible from economically drowning. But that is different than saying he is willing to alter the fundamental patterns that ensure the continuation of a permanent underclass in the United States. And I don't think anything less than the latter will provide enough of an infusion of economic hope and opportunity into the life of the average American to make the kind of difference that needs to be made. I'm very heartened by the fact that the painting over the mantle uh, in the fireplace in the Oval Office that he now looks at when he sits at his desk is a picture of FDR, because I believe anything less than full-on FDR, and we will simply be kicking the problem down the road eradicating and suppressing some symptoms, but not rooting out true cause. That was an excerpt of Today Explained. To hear the whole enchilada and others like it, check out Today Explained wherever you check out your podcasts.